Welcome to another fantastic episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello. And this week we're going to look at a PlayStation game that I'm not going to call a classic because I was told I call every game a classic, but it is at least a PlayStation game, Fighting Force. But until we get to that game, I do the same thing I do every week. Jeremy, what have you been playing since last time? Well, since last time, I think last time I was talking about uh, Uncharted 4, but I I got sidetracked about three-fourths of the way through that game, and uh, I, I don't know, it's been about a month ago, I bought the remake of Ratchet & Clank for the PlayStation 4, and I just kind of let it sit there. I didn't actually start, well, I started it and played a little bit, and I was like, yeah, this is Ratchet & Clank, this is pretty fun, but I, was, I, I just kind of let it sit over to the side and didn't really think about it too much. And so I was kind of really deep into Uncharted, and I was like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and and uh, play something else real quick just to get my mind off Uncharted for a bit and and see how, you know, do something different. So I started up Ratchet and & Clank, and I am completely addicted to that game. I have now beat it. I have, I'm, I'm, I think I'm about halfway through a second playthrough of it, and I, I keep, I'm not tired of playing it. I just want to keep playing this game over and over again, because after that last episode with Banjo-Kazooie, I really wanted something, you know, more modern. I wanted that kind of game, but more modern. And of course, you don't really get that anymore. The, those games don't exist. So Ratchet & Clank is, a, is probably about a, the, the closest you're going to get. It, you know, it's not like a 3D platformer. It's more actiony. It's more shootery. But, you know, at heart, it is a 3D platform kind of mascot game that you got back in the the PlayStation era and PlayStation 2 era. So I wanted to try it out. And uh, it's, it's every bit as fun as, as I remember that game to be. And it's, it's a complete remake of it. I mean, it's basically the same game as it was, but they've completely remade it. So it's, it's got a card system in it. And you actually collect cards as you're playing. And <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you can get... You actually get bonus. So there are... Um, Three set, three cards per set, and the, each set is like a, a particular stage, a particular set of weapons, per, particular set of enemies, and you get a card as you're just fighting enemies, or you can find them around the world. And I've got so completely addicted to finding these cards that I I cannot stop playing this game until I get a complete card set. Oh. And as it is right now, I'm sitting at ninety percent. And I'm getting close. I'm, I'm really getting close. But uh, I got to get my card set complete. But <laughs> otherwise, I'm, I'm really, you know, it's, it's, such, it's such a nice change to go back to a game like that. You know, a, a nice modern remake of that kind of game. And, and just kind of see what it would be like these days. And, and it's, it's really, really fun. Well, I love that series on the, the PlayStation 2. And I had the one... Uh, they made for the PSP. I guess both the ones they made for the PSP. They were both excellent. So I, I'm a big fan of that series. I know it's a remake, but how much? It, I mean, how much did they change, or is it just kind of a uh, like a graphical overhaul? Well, it's it's a complete graphical overhaul, and and for the most part, everything that was in the first game is there, but they've kind of changed around the story a bit to you know to make it um, 
you know, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that's playing or that was a fan that, that wants to play, but it's, it's really changed around and, and changed up in a, in a cool little smart way that, that makes it seem like a, a modern retelling of a story that, you know, originated back when it did. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like retelling this story that already happened and, and they do it in a really fun way. Uh, but generally all the stages, um, you know, the enemies, the bosses, the, 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 um, you know, the bad guys or whatever, the story, everything's basically the same as what it was. Um, maybe condensed a little bit more than what it was on that PlayStation two game, but you know, it's, it's not anything that ever bothered me, but yeah, this is a, it's a complete remake of, of what that original game was. Well, with cards. I mean, how can you go wrong with an addition of collectible cards? You, you can't go wrong with cards. I mean, you put cards in. <laughs> apparently, now with me, I, this is something I've just learned with myself. You put cards in a game, you've got me addicted forever. Because I, this is just something that I found out in the last year or so, on, uh, even on, just on this podcast. Put a card game in your game, and uh, you, you've, you've got me for good. Instant fan. Yes. Well, I'm also playing a game with cards uh, because I'm still playing Persona 3, but I don't want to talk about that because I think I've talked about it every week, either Persona 4 or Persona 3, because apparently that's all I like. Uh, but what I am playing that's different than both of those things is from that last um, Nintendo bundle that had uh, some other games we had talked about before in passing, uh, I'm playing Affordable Space Adventures on the Wii U, uh, which I'm enjoying immensely. It's very, very basic. Uh, when you start, you basically have the ability to, to fly around with one stick and look around with the other stick. Uh, it's like a 2D platformer that's more of a, a platform puzzle game than I've played in quite a long time. And it actually uses the Wii Pad uh, like a control panel that makes sense. So you have to actually hit enough buttons to change the level of your thruster or change the level of your gravity. Um, that if you, I don't know how they do it uh, on a console without a keyboard. And this is the only game I've played that really takes advantage of that of the Wii U uh, controller uh, since Zombie U, probably. Uh, and I'm enjoying it a lot. It's very, very basic, but very fun. Kind of a nice throwback, uh, you know, 2D puzzler, but, uh, but with a lot of things that I don't know how you could do outside of a PC. So I guess it reminds me a lot of a, like a, a good old PC freeware game. <laughs> Which I, I, you know, that's, I went through a phase where that's, I played a lot of those. A lot of those games where, you know, they, they're not the most flashy games. They aren't the most fleshed out games. But for just sitting down and plowing through it, a lot of fun. And that's what this feels like. I'm enjoying it yeah. a lot. I think it's it's kind of crazy, you know, that so many. Uh, I, I'm I'm almost shocked anymore when I hear anyone say that the the Wii U pad is used in a way that it actually justifies having the Wii U pad. Like there, it seems so many games have just you know even Nintendo's own games just kind of forgot about that Wii U pad, and uh, so anytime I hear that a game has used it in a unique way that that makes it seem like it's it's worth having. I'm kind of almost interested to play it. It's, I mean, it's almost like if you were inside the ship and you had a touchpad that controlled all of your, your different gauges and dials, that's what it's for. Uh, so the downside of it, though, is that I can't play it on the controller. And that's one of the things I like about the Wii U games that don't do anything with the controller. Uh, like, like Super Mario Brothers, New Super Mario Brothers U or whatever, is that you can play it on the pad. You don't need to use the pad for anything else. So it's like a little, you know... a a little handheld so you can put on, you know, Paw Patrol, whatever it is your kid wants to watch so that you can play for half an hour. So I have to actually play this when I have the TV. So I get to play it very rarely. Uh, but I do like that it uses the pad for something else because you're right. There's about six games that use it for anything of value. So, Billy, what have you been playing? Well, I, I had picked up uh, while well, I was playing Dark Souls 3. And I reached a point. It's a, it's a point I reach 
typically in these games where I've encountered a boss, a completely optional boss, but I, I've decided I am not advancing any further until I beat them, and, and I can't do it. I've tried, and I've come close a couple of times, and I, I've just gotten so frustrated with it, I, I said I'm going to take a break. And I'm going to come back, you know, in a couple weeks, I'm going to come back refreshed. Which I know all that really happens is that I come back and I've completely forgotten the control scheme and I've completely <laughs> forgotten in any potentially uh, promising techniques I was using at all. I'm going to be starting over again. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I I picked up that Uncharted 4 because uh, I, I was just, I was, I was itching to pick something up and... You know, Jeremy, he said, you know, between, you know, Ratchet and Clank, Uncharted 4, yeah, you can't go wrong. And I picked it up, and it has been a, a just a wonderful game, and, and quickly my favorite game in that series. Uh, and I also, once again, at, at Jeremy's uh, urging, I picked up that Overwatch. And I'm going to tell you, that game, is, it, it's, <laughs> some, it's something else. It's got hold of me. It's it's Jeremy told me he said it's very reminiscent of Team Fortress Two, and I I have to say it is reminiscent of Team Fortress Two to the point to where I don't know how there's not a lawsuit involved. <laughs> uh, but um, oh, but, you know I can't make fun of you guys for your for your your card fascination because this game has crates in it. It has boxes. Every time you level up, uh, you you get a box that you open up, and it has uh, upgrades. Uh, I mean all. All cosmetic, uh, as far as I know. I don't think there's any real game-changing ones in there, but I just can't get enough of opening these things up, and I have come very close now to, to spending... I paid a, a full 60 for this game, and I have come very close to plopping down even more uh, to buy these crates, to buy it, to tide me over until I level up again. I haven't yet, but it, it's coming. Probably tonight. I already spent 10 bucks. Just... Uh, I don't know. It? I don't know what's wrong with me. You know what is it about these cards, about these crates, about this type of thing? It just—I mean, it's—it's got to be. They know it works. They know it's—it's a, it's a great secondary income for this stuff. And you know, for TF2, I, I never spent any money. Well, I—I I think I did. I spent like maybe a, a buck or two on something just so I could open up the extra inventory space mm -hmm. that you get in Team Fortress 2 for actually spending money on it, since it's a free game. And you know that but i never really bought any of the other you know the stuff that they had for sale for i never got into that even the stuff that i picked up you know it was cool but generally i kind of used just the stuff that the main game gave you and i never felt like you know i was at a disadvantage and overwatch is the same way you know you're the only thing you're unlocking in those loot crates are things like uh, you know voice lines skins um sprays that you can spray onto the wall uh, emotes and and victory poses that you know at the at the end of the match you know they'll kind of show you with your team and and you can choose the little pose that you you sit in there and none of that changes the game or you know it makes you better or worse or anything like that but god damn it i want all my, I, I want all of them i gotta have every, them all every I single one and you know instead of like tf2 which just had what was it five or six uh classes or whatever you know this one has I don't know how many heroes it has, but you know, there's it's like a, there's 21, and they say you know more to come over time. And each one of them has about 50 things that you can unlock for each one of them. Oh, and so and even when you're unlocking, you can go into that hero uh, gallery, and there's a little bar underneath every one of them that kind of shows your how far you are 
and unlocking everything for each character. And uh, every time I do, it just like I get that itch, you know, just like, oh, man, if I just if, just spend a few dollars getting one of these stupid fucking loot crates, I can maybe get, you know, a new new color for diva or something. You just yeah, something that's... stupid. It's I don't know. It's just it's addicting. And, and I'm sure they know that. That's why they do it. But God damn it. I'll probably spend more money on this stupid game. Are you guys playing on PC or on consoles? Uh, PS4. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm playing on the console also, yeah. I think everyone that I know that's into it's playing on PC, but everyone's hooked. Everyone but me, which means six months from now when everyone's done with it, I'll play it and be like, guys, have you played Overwatch? It's incredible. <laughs> that's how I normally do <laughs> I think do this game's things. got legs, too. I think it's got, you know, that kind of TF2, uh, like, you know, Blizzard has already said that they're going to continue to support it um, for free. I'm sure they're going to have some paid stuff down the line for it, but... Um, they said any maps, uh, any heroes or anything that comes out for it, that's all going to be free. And, and if there's, if there's one company that I can at least trust for supporting a game long after it's released, I think it's Blizzard. Well, yeah, that's the other part of it for me was, you know, I'm normally not into that, that sort of, I mean, I like Team Fortress too, but I didn't get hooked on or anything, but Blizzard is good at supporting their games. They also don't put out garbage generally, even if you don't like the game, they're quality games. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Diablo three, but I, I played it through twice. I liked it, but. It just didn't grab me, but I would never say it was a bad game. Right, in this game, it's it's so polished. It's everything about it is you know top notch quality. There's it, it's just a top of the line game, and and you have so much fun playing. It's not anything. It, it's kind of like TF2 with me. You know, it's not anything that you need to be super accurate at. You can definitely have those characters like the sniper in Team Fortress 2 that you need to be super accurate and, and on your game with. But then there, there's also these other characters that's just it's just fun to play. You know, it's kind of like a drunk game that you're not, not even trying to, you know, put too much effort in. You can pick some crazy character and, and have a good time a few matches, even if you get fucking whooped like I always do on our team. But, you know, it, it's still fun. You can still have a good time with it. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's one of those, you know, obviously there's people that are going to master this game and they're going to be nearly unstoppable at it. But I think it's set up in a way. And I think some of the classes lend themselves to it a bit more. Where just about you know, whatever your level of experience is, everybody's going to have their day on here. You know, everybody's going to have their big highlights on there. Uh, does that mean they're going to be consistently good at it? No. I mean, you might have a moment every now and then. But I like games like that where you don't have to pour hours. You know, you don't have to be on a professional level to to kind of shine on there every now and then. Well, let's stop talking about a game that is polished and has a lot of support to a game that is not <laughs> that polished, that probably does not have a lot of support. It, it has my support. <laughs> Fighting Force for the Sony PlayStation. Now this was my pick, and and before the uh, the person from last week who uh, who mentioned that we pick games because we know they're bad before he stands up and says I knew it, <laughs> I, I just, just want to say I had very fond memories of this one uh, when it first came out. Uh, I picked it up for the for the PlayStation, and this was a time where uh, 
I was either going to visit my cousin every weekend or he was coming over to my house and I had the PlayStation between two of us and it would travel with me and you know we looked for a lot of uh good two player games uh you know cooperative games and this was this was a, an excellent one at the time from what I from what I recall uh, as with most PlayStation 1 games at the time the graphics on this were were amazing uh I you know, and I had a lot of fond memories, and I put a lot of time into it. I've played through it solo in the past. I've played through it two players. Uh, yeah, and I think, uh, as far as I know, this genre, this, this kind of 3D uh, beat-em-up, uh, hadn't been done too much. Not not on the 16-bit or uh, 32-bit era, and not really much since. I mean, there's definitely still games like this, but a lot of the time they're kind of throwback, you know, $20 xbox arcade titles or something you know they're not full release games that are that you know streets of rage style brawler that this is um and that's that's exactly the kind of game that fighting force is 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 a streets of rage you know it would have typically been a side-scrolling game but this is in 3d because it's on the playstation so everything has to be 3d and polygon based um as a result when you first turn it on it is and at least in 2016 not an attractive game by any standard um, all the characters look very boxy and blocky. Um, you know, there are four characters you can pick from, and, and three out of the four of them actually don't look half bad. But the one, uh, and I don't remember anyone's name because they're all just mindless brawlers, but the, the giant one, the giant muscular one, just looks like a series of boxes stacked together. Um, <laughs> much like if you, if you turn on the original Tekken and pick Jack, and you're like, whoa, this didn't age as well as I thought it did. But even worse, just a series of weird boxes with, a, with like a smiley face on it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's... That's a very common early PlayStation One trouble, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I didn't really look back at any screenshots or any video before I, uh, I picked this one. But I had a, a sneaking suspicion that was going to be the case. Uh, yeah, some of the characters uh, on that character select screen when they're up close, oh, they look bad. Uh, maybe marginally better once you once you get into the game. But, I mean, as far as the graphics go, uh, character models aside, I thought uh, the backgrounds, you know, I mean, they're not the most intricate. You've got city, I mean, you're fighting out in the streets, you're fighting, you know, out on the city, you're down in the subway uh, area, and I thought the backgrounds looked pretty good on this one. Well, even, even the characters that I just complained about, when you're actually playing the game, not bad. I mean, except for the giant guy, um, they really aren't bad in motion you know they're, they're not anything just to to take pictures of and stare at and think man this looks amazing but it it moves well enough that, that at least the characters being as blocky as they are you know were, were totally passable even now yeah um, you know but but again much like most early playstation games um it, it's going to be hard to jump into it if you weren't from that era to to get past that look um this came out in 1997 and uh I did a little bit of research on it just to kind of oh. figure out uh, where it came from. According to Wikipedia, and I know that's not the most accurate place to go, but but I did see some other websites online that did agree, although I can't tell if they also just took it from Wikipedia. But apparently <laughs> this was supposed to be a Sega Saturn exclusive, and it was supposed to be a sequel to Streets of Rage or something in the Streets of Rage family that Sega was going to put out. Um, then they decided because the Saturn wasn't doing incredibly well, that they were going to port it to multiple systems. And then Sega said, fine, but then it can't be a Streets of Rage title. 
Uh, so they changed the name to Fighting Force, and then it actually never even showed up on the Saturn because there were some problems uh, getting it emulated down to the Saturn from the PlayStation. So it ended up being a Saturn exclusive that was never released on the Saturn. Maybe it was Streets of Rage previously because I only really found that in Wikipedia, but it definitely was another game for the Saturn first. Um, and, and when you know it's supposed to be a Streets of Rage game, then it actually makes complete sense with how the whole game works because it works exactly like Streets of Rage. If you're attacking a person, their life bar shows up on the side of the screen underneath your life bar uh, until they're you know un- until you change what you're fighting or or if they die. Um, it's a you know you're fighting gangs in the streets. It's not really gangs. You're you're fighting this guy's army um but still it's it's the same layout as a streets of rage game would have been but in this case because they had to reskin it it's all new characters um but but it plays exactly like that style of game and that made sense to me yeah it's very similar and i can i can completely uh, i had no i didn't know about that but i can completely see that i mean and the mission accomplished on that really i think they they took the side scrolling from streets of rage and ported it over to you know that that 3d type feel as as well as they could I, I think it plays fine and i think the most amazing thing about that bit of trivia you passed along is it's just uh, very nice looking back to a time when sega took pride and protected their franchises that's uh, <laughs> and that would just be a, a phone game a mobile yeah game. <laughs> a phone yeah So the, you pick one of four characters to start the game. All four characters essentially have the same moves. They each have a different super move, and some of their combos are slightly different. But generally, you know, they all can punch, they can all kick, they can all jump, and they can all throw the opponent and then do some sort of special move that is some sort of roundhouse kick or something similar that hits around an area but will also do damage to you so you can't just use that move over and over and over. Once you pick your character, you start out outside of an office building, and you fight your way through the office building to the top of the of the the uh, I guess the highest suite in the building. The what's they call that? I feel like an idiot that I can't remember that's, what they that's call that. The penthouse. There you go. The penthouse of the building. I, I, I spend a lot of time in those. Ah, <laughs> well, look at you. But I do not, and so I just call it the the room at the top of the building because I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> you go all the way to the penthouse where you find Zhang, who is the person you're here to stop. Zhang, if you read the instruction manual, because I don't think it says anywhere else in the game, the whole plot is. <laughs> that this takes place right after uh, Y2K is supposed to occur, and the world does <laughs> oh, not end. Man. <laughs> and so yeah, Zhang is very upset the world didn't end, so he's going to make the world end, and he somehow can do it. That's the best part of the instruction manuals that just says, and he can do it. doesn't say how he's going to do it. Is he going to do it with nuclear device? Who knows? All you know is that Zhang says he's going to end the world because it didn't end. I guess he put a lot of stock into all the computers dying, and they didn't. So he was very upset, uh, and he decides to destroy the world. So you're going to stop him. So you... you you get to Zang at the top of the building. He, of course, jumps into a helicopter and flies away. Uh, and then you have to, to then go through the city to try to get to his, uh, his secret island lab, uh, which I like that when you get to after certain levels, you got to pick a path, which I know a lot of games did that. That's nothing new. But I thought it was at least the paths are different somewhat. I thought it was, I mean, they all end in the same place. But, you know, instead of going to, um, you know, having to, to go one set path, you could play through this several times and, and maybe 
you know, I'd, I'd say probably six times or seven times to see every single area. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the worst things about those, um, you know, a lot of the brawlers back then. And, you know, brawlers were huge back in, in the 16-bit era. You know, there was as many brawlers as there were fighting games back then. And one of the biggest complaint, complaints with any of them were just how repetitive they were. And, and how little, you know, you couldn't really mix that formula up too much. But, you know, for the very, at least this one lets you kind of pick around where you want to go. And, and I, I thought that was actually kind of cool because back in the day, there was maybe one or two that ever let you do that. And I, I never understood why more games didn't, more brawlers from back then didn't let you do that. Yeah, I, this game tries a, a lot of interesting things out. I think this was one of the first games... Uh, where it kind of, I mean, there are your basic weapons, you know, like some enemies, they'll drop uh, guns. Uh, I think there's a rocket launcher in there. You know, you have your your melee weapons. This was one of the first games I had played that kind of uh, very lightly uh, dealt with the uh, the, kind of the destructible environment and using things from the environment as a weapon. For instance, you can can bust up or, or blow up a car, and you can use some parts of that car as a weapon. You can pull a piece of a guardrail off and use that as a weapon. And I thought that was something uh, pretty innovative also up till that time. Most of the time to get a weapon, you you got it off an enemy after you knocked him down. You could take it from him. Uh, that was one of the first times that I know of, at least, where you could kind of just look around and see what in the environment uh, you could use to your advantage. I think the the inter, the environments and and how interactive they are are the best thing about this whole game. Like if you see it in that stage, you can walk up to it, whether it's a coke machine, you know, a car, anything. You can walk up to it, hit it a few times. You know, it may not do anything to your advantage, but at least you can, you know, mm-hmm. it, it'll bust into pieces. You'll grab a part off of it that you can, you know, hit somebody with. Coke cans will come out of the bottom of, of the Coke machine. You know, it's just it's stupid things like that. And there's always something in every single stage that, you know, that, that you can grab and do. And I, I that's probably the the best thing about this entire game to me. Well, even if it doesn't do anything for you in the game at the end of every section, because uh, each level is kind of broken out into sections where it adds up your score. You get bonuses for how many things you destroyed. So why wouldn't you just run around kicking every box and soda machine and car and every other dumb thing you can find just to get those extra points at the end? Uh, I mean, I certainly did. Uh, if you get enough points, that's how you earn continues. Otherwise, you only have the one life you start with. And at least on the normal difficulty, I didn't get incredibly far. I'm not very good at these ga- these kind of games. I'm not very patient, and sometimes... A little bit more patience than just running at every enemy is, is required. Um, so on, on the regular mode, I got to past where you fight Zhang, or uh, meet Zhang, and he runs away, and then you get, go into this, the city streets, and I never cleared through all the city streets. So I changed it to easy to go farther through the game. Um, but even on easy, I, I still died a couple times, and, and you earn continues at points, which is how most arcades work, but it was weird to see that uh, on a console, that you start with zero continues, not even one. And you earn continues as you earn points, um, which was, I mean, it's a nice throwback, but it was definitely not explained very well in the manual whatsoever. I had to kind of figure that out through trial and error. And the other complaint I have kind of on the same token, uh, because you have that one life, there is a save in the game. After you get to, through certain points in the game, you can save your progress. It, it's not as much a checkpoint because if you die, you don't go back there, but you can reload at the same life level you were at, the same everything else, same number of continues left. 
But how you find that save is possibly the hardest and dumbest way to find and load a game ever. <laughs> so instead of just having a, a load game option at the start of the game, when you load up, it says you know play, one player, two player, or options. Well, there is no load game there, so I figured, okay, there is no save spot. Because until you get through the, the, the fight where Zhang escapes, there is no save spot. So I just figured there wasn't any saves. And then... <laughs> And then I, I, beat, uh, I beat the area that Zhang was in and, and escaped from, and all of a sudden it saved. And I thought, oh, okay, great. I have a checkpoint. I have a save spot. I guess a save option, you know, a load option will show up at the beginning of the screen. No, when I died, it went right back to the start of the game. There's nowhere that says you can load, so I figured maybe if I start, it'll just start me there as a checkpoint. No, it starts you at the beginning of the game. I couldn't figure out how to load a game. You have to go into the option screen, and there's actually two loads. There's a load for options. And there's a load for game progress. And oh. if you pick the load game progress, it'll, it'll take you back to that checkpoint, and that's great. But that means every time you want to continue, you've got to go back out to that main menu, go all the way down through the load screen, you know, option screen to find load option. It was, it was just a weird, bizarre where place to put a, a loading area. And if I wouldn't have, have had a copy of the manual to look at, because I downloaded this one on, uh, on the Vita, uh, so it gives you the electronic manual. I would never have figured that out, ever. I would have just assumed the save was broken, or it was just saving score, or who knows what it was doing. But, uh, yeah, what a weird way to save and load your game. I never figured that out as a kid. I, I uh, didn't know. No, when we played this, uh, we just, I mean, you played straight through. Uh, I never dealt with that at all. Even this time, I just kind of played it straight through. That is, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Especially for a fighting game where you usually turn your brain off. That's, that's, that's a bit to take in. Right, and it's a pretty short game. It's, you actually don't need that save. You can, I, I think, uh, I mean, on a good, by yourself, I mean, I've seen people, you know, running it, you know, just a bit over an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, there's, there's about five different spots where you can save throughout the game, including the very end. So there's that, I broke that out into five different areas, essentially, and... And yeah, you can blow through all those areas in, in a couple hours. I mean, that's that's not going to take you too long. And for a brawler, that's not an incredibly short or long game. I mean, it's it's a pretty average length brawler. I think of the, you know, looking at Streets of Rage or Golden Axe or any of those games from the 16-bit era, two hours is actually pretty long. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got a good length on it. And you know, it, much like any of those brawlers, if you can get past that, you're going to fight a whole lot of things over and over and over again. If that's your style of game, then I think this is actually it actually holds up pretty well still. Yeah, and um, you, you know what? One of my favorite things is is the names that these kind of generic guys get in these brawlers. You know, the guys that you'll see over and over again throughout the game. And, and I've, I've just—I think Final Fight was the first time I really noticed all these uh, these names. And this one, I, I jotted down a few. You take on the likes of Dude, <laughs> skin, Skinny, <laughs> Snaky, and there was a fellow named Misery. Also, <laughs> these are all the male. These are male characters, but I think something. I think there is a disconnect with the females. I think they found they were not informed they needed a uh, intimidating nickname because the first two ladies I took on were Sandy and Lori, <laughs> which is not very intimidating at all. I, I, speaking of, I can't get over. I, I you know I own this game, uh, the PS One. I still have my copy. I still have the instruction book. I don't think I ever read it because I had no idea when you told us earlier about this this main villain's uh, his his intentions and his reasoning. Uh, this has to be the 
the worst reasoning for a villain to try to take <laughs> over in a fighting game. It sounds like it's a guy that, you know, he stocked up on a lot of bottled water, a lot of canned corn, and now he, he now he's mad that he blew all that money. <laughs> he is furious he has a house full of canned corn. Because the neighbors told him. He said, you're wasting your time. I'll show you. I'll show all of you when I'm the last one living. Oh, I guess it didn't happen. Well, I'll still be the last one living. Watch this. <laughs> And, and, and again, it's came, this game came out in 1997, so I guess people were concerned about Y2K. I, I don't remember it until right before the end of 1999 where people were like, yeah, it might be pretty bad. But really, no one honestly thought outside of some you know, extreme zealots that anything was going to actually happen. But I guess Zhang did plan on a disaster. It did not occur, so he's going to force a disaster. Yeah, it's a great story uh, <laughs> in its dumbness. It's wonderful in its dumbness. Um, and yeah, I did notice those names. I, I like that. That's uh, River City Ransom was the game that had that where I noticed all the game, the names of everybody you're fighting the whole time um, that I found the same kind of thing as this. I, I think the the bosses in this are a little lacking. Generally, there's there's what five or six boss characters you run into, which are basically just larger versions of who you're already fighting. Yeah. I think there's only one boss that takes any sort of actual different strategy other than run around and don't get hit. And that's the one I, I don't even know if he's in both sides. I when you get to the decision to go to either the air base or the naval base i went with a naval base um and i didn't i didn't go through the air base i didn't get that far on my other second playthrough um and you fight a guy with a jet pack who will fly around the room and you the only way you can hurt him is to throw barrels at him yeah you know that's the route i took also i, I would have to imagine you would face the same boss uh either way i'll have to look at that and see but i, I just can't i can't imagine there are different bosses uh, for these different routes. Well, especially that's the only one that has, again, anything different going on. All the other bosses yeah. you fight, you pretty much just, just avoid them and then hit them when you can, do some jump kicks, do whatever you can to, to take them down before they take you down. Even even Zhang is the last boss, I thought. And again, I beat him on easy, so I'm not going to go on and say he was an easy boss. But he was a very simple boss. It was, you know, just don't get hit. He does a lot of damage when he hits you, so just don't let him hit you. I think this this is a good brawler that switched to the 3D platform. You know, if you're going to play a game like Streets of Rage and then shift to 3D, this is a good transition from 2D to 3D. Plenty of games made very poor transitions from 2D to 3D. Um, but much like a lot of those 3D games, I think the camera on this is almost mm. almost too irritating to continue to play with. Um, I did not play multiplayer. Apparently, it's worse in multiplayer. But even in single player, there were definite spots where people are running at me from the a side of the screen that I can't rotate the camera to and and it's zoomed in enough on me that I basically won't see people until they are actively throwing punches at me and that's you know, always it's, been it's, an issue yeah it's not terrible when you're playing single player and there are definitely times where that camera would just it, it will flip out no matter what but as soon as you bring in a second player to this game this camera does not know what to do because it will just um it, it it seems like its main way of positioning itself is to pivot. 
and then it has certain areas in in each little section that you go to in the stage that it will find a place to pivot on and then pan the camera to follow the person. If the person goes where the camera cannot see, then it will find another place to pivot and then pan, pan the camera over. That works okay in single player. But if you put a second player in there, that camera does not know what the fuck to do because it will find a place to pivot. And then instead of just trying to focus on one person now, it's trying to focus on two people. And if one of those players are in the place where it's trying to focus on and the other person kind of gets to the edge of the camera, that camera will suddenly be like, oh, shit, we got to fucking pivot to another area so we can keep these two people in, in on screen so they can keep playing. And at that point, it just flips out. It will go back and forth to each fucking pivot area. Um, at times, it will literally just um, just spin 360 almost to get to a spot where it can show both of those same characters in the same screen. It just It's almost unplayable in, at times. But, you know, back in the day, back then, it was acceptable because, you know, nothing else was really doing this kind of game. But playing it now, I'm just like, oh my god, this is this is awful. Who you know, you can't even keep track of, of what's going on if both players aren't actively trying to stay in the same spot in these each scene uh, and each stage that the you know the game has. Yeah, um, and like Jeremy said, I think this was just a case of uh, back at that time. I mean, if you looked at a lot of the the early those kind of 3D games, like even Banjo. Uh, you know, Mario, you were focusing on one character, you know, and you could focus pretty tight on that character and, and the camera didn't have a bad, uh, it wasn't that bad at following them. Uh, but I, I think this was one of the first instances of the, you know, the kind of 3d style where, uh, you were having to focus on two characters and yeah, it, it did a poor job at it. Um, uh, you know, playing this years ago, I was much younger. Uh, it wasn't, as much concern to me then. Uh, but yeah, I think our, our strategy was we just kind of stuck together on there, uh, which takes away some of the fun because it would be nice, you know, for one person to go to one side of the stage and clear things out while the other goes over, you know, on the complete other end. But as far as the camera goes, the game, like Jeremy is saying, it pretty much can't support it for the most part. Well, it's, it's weird that it wasn't too, like a split screen or, you know another option that would take take care of that issue but then if you're trying to play a game that is a a two-person brawler and you're using streets of rage as your as your basis that was another game where you know on the console versions you'd be on the same screen or you know contra even uh, not a brawler but when you're playing it on nintendo you're both on the same screen and if one person goes too far forward the person in the back will die um like uh in the upward levels especially and and so it's like it's a similar situation where when you're playing with another person either you work with what the system gives you which is you yell at each other to not go too far so the camera doesn't spin around like an ass uh or you just you know freak out that it's too bad of a camera and you you shut it off i think when this game was new i would have been you know patient enough with the idea to to work with the other person i was playing with to make it less of an issue but now i don't know if i could put up with it well, back then we were just, you know, we were working with what the game gave us. And if the game, you know, couldn't, if it was obvious that it was fucking up when one person got too far away, then you were like, hey, stick, stick close to me. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to be able to get through this because the game, should, it, you know, it fucks up. We just can't handle it. But now, you know, things are, 
you know, things have progressed a bit since uh, Fighting Force. And we expect a little bit more from from our 3D games and, and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a product of its time, I guess. I you know we say that a lot, but that camera in this game, it is uh, it is certainly a product of its time. Well, and and this game did fairly well when it came out. I remember it was pushed pretty hard. It had a lot of ads. Uh, I know a lot of people bought it because again they didn't make a lot of games like this at the time anymore. And if you wanted to play a two player co op game, there weren't many of those on the PlayStation, really. Everything was either a fighting game or a sports game or one player. There wasn't a lot of multiplayer. So uh, this did pretty well. I remember selling a good deal of these. Um, there was a, a version they put out later, a enhanced port of this for the Nintendo 64, uh, called Fighting Force 64, because there was a time frame where every game on the Nintendo 64 ended with 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a sequel to this, Fighting Force 2, that I think was PlayStation only, but I'm not positive. Um, and it only focused on one of the four characters from this game, and apparently it was more involved um, than this was. It was more of an adventure game style, like uh, Tomb Raider, kind of. Uh, I did not play this, though, so I'm not able to speak directly to if it was good or not. Did either of you guys play Fighting Force 2? Uh, it was more of a like a third-person kind of action actiony kind of game. You know, it was uh, it was definitely not the the 3D brawler that that this game is. So. Apparently, the whatever formula they had for Fighting Force, either they didn't think it was successful enough to make the the money they wanted to, or or what. But they went into uh, kind of a, a different direction with that second game. So I, you know, I, I never actually played it myself. I read some reviews from back in the day. I remember I was just being kind of like, "Ah, oh, this is you know, it's not terrible, but you know, there's a lot better other you know other stuff that you could play that's better than this." So, um, yeah, I, d- I just don't think that this game quite had the identity um, that, you know, maybe the first game had that, you know, from doing the, the sequel with it. Well, apparently you were not alone in not enjoying or playing the second one because uh, neither of us were because uh, they did uh, not make any more. There was apparently a third fighting force. It was in development for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox, but it was canceled uh, oh. when Core went out of business. So we never got to see what was going to happen with the series. But honestly, I don't know if there was a lot more to do after the first game, uh, since essentially it was just taking a, a 2D, you know, guaranteed hit and putting it in a 3D world. And, and I think it was passable. I mean, I think this was a fun game to play uh, for this. This is not one I had played before to this uh, this podcast more than just, a, you know, at, as a demo in a store. Uh, and I, you know, after getting past the blockiness of it, I, you know, and, and getting back in the mindset of playing a brawler, I actually really enjoyed this. I, I didn't dislike playing it from start to finish. That said, will I play it again anytime soon? I don't know. I think if I had it on PlayStation and I had two players, it would be a fun night to have a few beers and play. But um, I don't know if I would play it over Streets of Rage or, you know, Double Dragon or any of the 2D1 versions of the brawler. I think those are a little tighter and a little more fun. Yeah, and I mean, and a lot of this one was just, you know, this was something kind of new at the time and i think they like you said it's it's a perfectly fine game uh i i enjoyed it immensely years ago i played it many times over but like i said you know i was i was much younger then and i had a a friend i played it with all the time uh now i am i'm glad i played through it again i think it's fun just uh if you got a couple hours to waste and you want to go back and play an early PlayStation Brawler. This is uh, probably one of the best ones you can pick 
And, yeah, I mean, camera aside for two players, if you can find a kind of a good rhythm there as far as keeping up with each other uh, and kind of learning you know, about how far you can stay apart without making the camera get too crazy, uh, it's, it's a, a very fun cooperative game very mindless you know there's there are no puzzles to solve here except for you know how to load your game uh yeah and i think you can have a good time with this one just you know keep in mind you're dealing with early ps1 graphics uh sound i don't think we said much about the sound because there's not much to say about the sound uh it's it's there it's it's not good nor bad uh yeah perfectly fine game I think it's it's fine. I like it. I, I still enjoy playing it. Um, but I think at this point, you know, back then, brawlers were basically done. And whatever this game's success had was trying to convince people that, hey, we're, you know, this is the the next generation of brawlers. We're doing for brawlers what, uh, you know, Mario 64 did for 2D platformers. We're bringing it into the 3D world. And, you know, it, it, it's fun enough. But it, it certainly wasn't the the revelation that that I was expecting for uh, you know a brawler back then. It was still very repetitive, very much just you know beating up on the same guys. And even with the the interaction in the stages, you know that was fun, that was great. But uh, I think you know Die Hard for the Saturn and arcade did that you know far better. It was it was a far more focused game uh, that I that I enjoyed much more than than I ever did Fighting Force. And I think that was pretty much it for, uh, you know, besides, you know, the, the random fucking, like you said, Xbox arcade game or something like that that came around uh, for brawlers for you know, a long time. Uh, I think uh, Fighting Force was kind of kind of the that was it for the genre for, for a while. So we're all in agreement. This is a, a good version of a, a game style that really wasn't around in the uh, the 32 bit era. Uh, totally playable. Not sure if it would take the place of a 2D version on a 16-bit console, but uh, if you have a PlayStation, you could definitely do worse. So next week, we're going to go back to the Super Nintendo for our first listener request uh, through Twitter. It's, his Twitter handle is at Mentheon. His name is, I'm going to screw this up, I'm sure. It's Bjorn Warlander or Wallander. And he requested Young Merlin for the Super Nintendo, a game that none of us have played. So uh, it is a game that came out. So it's not a game that I think we're going to have to, you know, had to hunt down. It, it's a game. We're going to do it. So next week is Young Merlin. I have no idea exactly what it is. It looks like it's some sort of puzzle <laughs> platformer. I don't know. We're going to find out. But I, I'm very excited about that. Um, we are definitely interested in listener requests. However, we're not going to only do listener requests. I'm sure we'll get a lot of them. And it also is going to depend on, you know, the, the game itself. If you say, hey, I'd really like to hear about Super Mario Brothers 3, we probably won't do it. If you want to know about Super Mario Brothers 3, there's a million other people and places who have done it. Uh, you can watch videos and see enough on it. And, it. and it's a game we don't... It's a great game, but I can't think of a lot to say about it other than, man, this is a really great game uh, that hasn't been said before. So, you know, if you want to send us some suggestions via Twitter or our Facebook page, 
uh, via email, anywhere, you know, please give us suggestions, but don't be offended if we do not take you up on them, uh, just due to sheer numbers. And also that I still have in my own backlog a number of games I want to submit uh, for everyone else to yell at me about. Uh, and I'm sure that Billy and Jeremy do as well. So I, I, I think we're going to definitely do some more listener submissions, um, but we'll see how it goes. But we're going to do our first one next time for, uh, for Young Merlin. Yeah, and um, I, I'm very, I'm very excited about this because this is a, uh, this is the first game we have. Every game we've recommended is one we uh, have been knowledgeable about. This is the first game where I don't think any of us have have played it. Uh, so this is going to be, this is going to be something. Yeah, I'm, I remember seeing it in the video store back when I was a kid, and I'd always look at the 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 back of that box and. Be kind of like, I don't know what this game is, and I don't know if I want to waste my $4 on a game that I'm, I'm not too sure of. And I'm sure I wasted countless rentals on, on terrible games, uh, you know, besides that game. So I, I'm really interested to see, see what I might have missed back then. But along with listener suggestions, we also still love to get listener questions. And this week, much like every, almost every other week, uh, we do have a listener question. What is this week's question, Jeremy? Well, this week, uh, Nate from San Diego writes in with a quick question, question asking if uh, we had any go-to video game magazines from back when we were kids and or if we ever grabbed up any of those all-too-popular code books that were all the rage in the 8- and 16, 16-bit eras. Well, I can, I can start this one off. I, uh, as far as the game magazines go, I had my, my Nintendo Power subscription uh, which which was a must back then, uh, and you know, whenever my mother went to the grocery store, I would always tag along, just because I knew I would be able to talk her into picking up at least one game magazine for me, and and it really I didn't have <clears throat> a, a particular uh, magazine I was I was loyal to. Uh, if I I would based on what was on the cover, whether it was a uh, EGM, uh, Game Pro. Game pl- uh, game players. I think I ended up buying maybe the most uh, that are Game Pro. Uh, yeah, I, I just I kind of delved in in all of them, and every now and then, you know, I pick up one of the PC gaming magazines because I had the demo disc. Usually, of a bunch of things I couldn't run on my computer, but I, I continued to buy them anyway. Uh, but yeah, and as far as the code books go, I did uh, on occasion. I do still have my How to Beat Super Mario Brothers guide. Uh, handy in case that episode ever comes up. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, most of my codes I got out of the, you know, the magazines had their code sections and I had a good, uh, little side hustle going in elementary school where I would jot down codes from all the magazines. Uh, since I was one of the only people in school that was buying magazines in such a large quantity, I would jot them all down on some loose leaf paper. I would staple them together and I would sell them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, these, these little makeshift code books i would sell them and i could get about 75 cent a pop for those things so that Jesus. you know and as a larger child that supported my my lunch eating habit and i was very happy with myself well i didn't have such a good hustle as that but i definitely had i mean i think everyone had nintendo power uh if, if you were into nintendo at all again without the internet i don't know how you'd find out about games otherwise uh, unless you lived in a place where you could go to a store every day and see what came in. So I, I had Nintendo Power. Uh, I also had the Turbo Graphics Magazine, Turbo Play, later than that. And uh, PC-wise, we had an Amiga, and so I got Amiga World Magazine. So those three magazines were always 
uh, ones that we had until, you know, I moved on from Nintendo. And, uh, you know, once I started working at the Electronics Boutique, I think I read every magazine because what are you going to do in the mornings because no one's in a store. So I read every single magazine. The only ones I really kept were uh, Game Fan and PSM. PSM was great because they would always have little, sometimes it was a demo disc, sometimes it was like memory card stickers, uh, and I liked the covers. So I kept all those for a long, long time. I eventually got rid of everything, but I did keep all my memory card stickers just in case I come up uh, come upon 30 memory cards that I won't be able to tell apart. Very excited about those. Uh, for the code books, I never bought a lot of single game guides. Like I wouldn't have bought a you know guide to Final Fantasy VII or something. But what I did have... Uh, Nintendo era only really were like the um, the actual just all textbooks that would come out where it was like 50 top Nintendo secrets and it would <laughs> give you like some of the worst secrets because it was written by people who didn't necessarily play games so it would be like did you know in Mario the fire flower lets you shoot fire and you're like man this book is awesome I read those books <laughs> cover to cover I guarantee I've got one or two somewhere in my house still and they're totally unreadable garbage but I definitely had a, a bunch of those uh, every time there was a school book fair, those were in there, and I would get there early just to get that book, just in case I needed 20 more super secret Nintendo uh, endings. So I was very excited about that. Uh, well, I guess my, my go-to magazine was always Game Fan. You know, I, I, I got any magazine that I could kind of find at the grocery store when we went, but I was I always looked for Game Fan because I loved reading it. It was... Uh, they had the best uh, layout, I think, of any magazine back then. Uh, it was it was always kind of just visually stunning to to go through, you know, flip through the pages of that magazine. Uh, just great layouts, even if it got to the point where you couldn't even read the previews or reviews because, good God, they loved their fucking layouts. Um, but that magazine was was such a pile of shit for the most part because. Uh, they they got the reputation and rightly so for hyping up just about any game that they threw on a preview, and this was the magazine that famously hyped up Aquanauts Holiday for the PlayStation <laughs> as being the one of the most revolutionary games that was coming out, and it was revolutionary in in just how boring it was. But you know it every single game you know you just kind of had to know when you were reading Game Fan magazine. To kind of maybe take uh, take everything with a grain of salt because those guys were gonna just every single game was gonna be the greatest game that was coming out. Uh, Fighting Force is actually one of their uh, another game that I remember being hyped up to the stratosphere with them. They did like a I think it was like a, a four page spread of that game and and since it was done by the same developer that did Tomb Raider, I don't know if it was the same team. I don't think it was. But, you know, they were like, they're doing for the brawler what they did with adventure games with Tomb Raider. And, you know, they just really hype these games up in, in just the most hyperbolic way imaginable. And, and that was one, one of the things I really liked about Game Fan Magazine. Uh, still do, you know, just it, obviously to their own fault. But it was, it was endearing. And it still is endearing looking back to the, all those, um, those old magazines I still have. Um, as for codebooks... I only bought one, one in my entire life, one code book, and I'm going to look up at my shelf right now and read the name of it. It is called 3DO Game oh, Secrets, <laughs> and it is a fairly thick, it's about an inch thick book of uh, game strategies and secrets for, I think, 
just about every 3DO game that was released at the time back then, which was, I guess, about a few dozen, a few dozen. And the best thing about this whole this this whole code book is the guy that writes it because he is not afraid to call these games shit. <laughs> and there were a lot of 3DO games that are in this book that they that is just literal shit. And um, it, it's it's so funny to read through this code book and just see them being like, you know, you could do this code to get, you know, all this this kind of shit if you want to get through uh, Jurassic Park, the movie for 3DO. But don't waste your time. It's not worth it. It's not worth <laughs> anything to even play this game. You know, the best secret is to probably just take the game out of your 3DO <laughs> and throw it in the trash and then pretend you never played it. And I, I think that was probably the best 3D or the best code book I've, I've ever had. And it's the only code book I've ever had. So if you have a, a question you've got to know the answer to about what the guys from Retrovaniacs think, please send us the question uh, via our Facebook page or our Twitter at Retrovaniacs. Uh, you could definitely check us out at Retrovania.net. We have contact information there. And if you happen to be uh, listening to this on uh, on iTunes, why don't you go ahead and give us a review because that would make us feel good. And there's nothing that everyone wants to do more than make us feel good. Uh, but until then, while you're writing that review, you have a couple more weeks till our next episode uh, where we go into Young Merlin for the Super Nintendo, and we'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>